simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. Hi, I'm Nikki. And I'm Courtney. And this is Everybody's a Suspect. The podcast where we talk about horror movies. Specifically, slashers. And what movie are we talking about this week? This week, we are talking about 2009's sorority row and i am so excited to talk about this movie especially because we have a special guest my best friend fellow horror movie lover tim hello hello everyone (laughs) oh my gosh i'm so excited that you're here and that this is the episode that we're coming back with everybody we're so sorry for taking such a long break but um, you know, COVID kind of threw a wrench and everything. I think everybody understands that. Um, so we're coming back and we're coming back with this awesome freaking movie. So, Courtney, this was your first time watching it. What did you think? Well, I definitely enjoyed watching it. Um, it wasn't a movie that, like, I'd really heard about before. Like, I didn't know other people that had seen it. And... um so, like, you obviously had seen it, and you were like, we should do this movie. And so I just, I went in, like, completely cold, because how often do you get to do that? Um, so it was definitely, like, a fun experience for me to just, like, not look anything up beforehand and just watch it cold was great. That's awesome. And, Tim, I know we've watched this movie. I can't <laughs> count how many times together. But what was your first experience with it? So I actually saw this movie in theaters. I remember seeing the trailer or something. I don't remember it was, if it was attached to a movie or what it was. But I just remember thinking, yep, that seems like a movie I need to see right away. And I remember taking <laughs> probably like four or five friends to the theater like on a Saturday <laughs> during the day. And I, I don't think everyone loved it as much as I did. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I definitely remember seeing it in theaters and thinking, this is so much fun. (laughs) And it is. It really is. It's a fun, Mm -hmm. get a group of people together, a pizza and some beer, and call it a day. Yeah, totally agree. I also saw it in theaters. I remember going with a couple of girls from my um, college track team. And it was really funny because they were scaredy cats. So every time you'd hear, like, the clanking of the tire iron, I'd be like, okay, you need to close your eyes. Because <laughs> oh, they, they could not handle the kills. It was so funny. But I loved this movie and was like, well, they were, like, covering their eyes. I was, like, leaning closer to the screen, like, oh, my God, this movie's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a fun, it's like a romp. Like, you know, it's a short, quick little jaunt into the woods of you know slasher and it hits all the buttons it's not writing it's not making anything new but it is Mm -mm. it's just it's delivering it delivers yeah um so getting into a little bit of the effect toys about it it was directed by Stuart hendler and written by josh stolberg and pete goldfinger um and based on the house of on sorority row by mark rossman Um, I think they actually gave him a writing credit on this, too, because it was his original story. Um, But it stars Brianna Evigan as our final girl, Cassidy. Leah Pipe says everybody's favorite bitch, Jessica. Ruben Willis as Ellie. Jamie Chung as Claire. Audrina Patridge, of all people, as Megan. Julian Morris as Andy. Margot Harshman as Chugs. And then 
our queen herself, Carrie Fisher, as Mrs. Crenshaw. Shining light. Like, I have a feeling I one of the reasons I wanted to see this movie was because Carrie Fisher was in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's definitely prominently featured in every trailer, every TV spot, you know, her... Mm-hmm. And, you know, on IMDb, she's the third credited. So, you know, it's. Mm-hmm. She was definitely a draw to see this film. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it did get a draw because its budget was $12.5 million, but they did make $27.2 million, which, like, I still don't feel is that great, but at least it doubled its budget and made some money. So you could say it's profitable. Mm-hmm. Which, for, uh, you know, 2009 which wasn't a big draw for slashers i don't think we've had a real big resurgence of slashers i mean i think scream 4 had come out was out no no okay scream 4 was 2011 (laughs) that's 2011 okay it was like it's this i mean it's this and then scream 4 and like those are the only that i can think of of like the 2010s real i mean those were yeah I think this one was released. I can't remember whether um, Friday the 13th came out. Mm. The remake came out before this. But then you also had, after this, the A Nightmare on Elm Street remake as well. And neither of those were very well revered. Yeah, the Friday the 13th remake was 2009. But I don't know if it was before or after. But I know it was the same year. I think these were the only two Mm -hmm. of that year. But yeah, I think it's either remakes or scream four in the 2010s and i also i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure the orphan also came out in 2009 Mm. yeah so it wasn't like a real strong showing at this point but then i think scream four came out in 2011 and everybody's like oh slashers again yeah like brought out that nostalgia from the original scream and stuff people were like wait what this is coming back but then it didn't because then after that was like the conjuring and then everyone was like cool we just like gothic horror great we'll just do this for (laughs) five more years (laughs) true yeah now we have um halloween 2018 coming out and then (laughs) sad days about halloween kills and how it didn't come out when it was supposed Mm -hmm. to but then i think you have movies like ready or not you have movies like hush Mm -hmm. you have movies Mm -hmm. you know more independent films that are i would say more slashery based that Happy, Happy Death, Death Day. Day, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know those, you know those kind of fuel that flame. But up until then, it was, I think, ghost movies. It seems like. Yeah, you're right because The Conjuring came out in 2013, mm-hmm. so it was just a, definitely a resurgence of like the supernatural right. horror. Which I'm much more of a fan of slashers. Obviously, like this is a slasher podcast, so I it kind of is sad that slashers don't get enough credit for what they do you know um i think a lot of people don't view slashers as intelligent horror movies as they would something more supernatural um but really if we think about it like we've talked about with scream there's some brilliant stuff you can do with a slasher to make statements on things um and things you can do that makes make it a really smart movie and you may think maybe the people in it are stupid but there's some things that they're doing that give you hints that twist it that make you think about things and like i think this movie is one of them and you know it it 
one of the things we can talk about as we get into the plot is the relationship between all the characters. These are characters who talk like how people talk. <laughs> right. And well, and I think with slashers too, I think, you know, the concept and the trope of the final girl that Carol Clover coined way back when that's, that's something that doesn't exist in any other genre. So the fact that you have a, a movie that centers on, let's be real, four, maybe five female protagonists, five leads. That doesn't happen in other genres. This is a genre mm. that features women predominantly other over uh, uh, compared to other genres. Even like in even in subgenres of horror, you know, you don't have zombie movies that feature five female protagonists. You don't have ghost movies that feature five female protagonists. Slash movies really do lend itself to that trope, if you will. That's true. Yeah. And and what's interesting to me is that these are well thought out female characters written by men. Mm -hmm. And they do a pretty Mm -hmm. good job. Now, are some things problematic? Yeah, it was 2009 over 10 years ago it's going to be a little different but then also some of the point to those problematic things are some of these characters are actually pretty damn problematic themselves everyone is in college so (laughs) (laughs) yeah college is not a healthy place (laughs) i feel like also this is a story that a lot of people can just relate to through their own experience in some way because if you went to college you were at least exposed to sororities if you weren't in one. Mm-hmm. I never went to a fraternity or sorority party in college, but you're, you know, I went to a Big Ten college and I knew exactly what that was. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I admittedly have been to some frat parties, and dear God, <laughs> the debauchery. <laughs> yeah, I went to a really, and that was a that was a Christian frat oh too. Oh. you've got stories (laughs) like i do have stories i just don't want to share them publicly that's a horror movie waiting to happen right where's the script let's go i really need to write one yeah well i don't have the discipline to write a script so (laughs) somebody (laughs) help me anybody all right so speaking of debauchery this is a great way to segue into our plot as we begin with the introduction of the sorority Theta Pi at a party where they're drawing on pledges, marking things like that pledges need to fix about their bodies. <laughs> Again, problematic. <laughs> um, and we get like these slow introductions, but not actual introductions to each of our main girls. So we have Ellie in the corner talking to a guy and Chugs throwing a beer on a guy and Cassidy doing a weird dance number that apparently people do that I never remember doing in college. Um, And then they're summoned up to Jessica's room to take a shot. Because they're they're all the seniors, right? It's like they're the... Are they the only seniors? I feel like there should be other ones because they have... I think it's like their friend group, which yeah, is odd because these girls would never be friends <laughs> in real life, let alone be in the same sorority. <laughs> but sure, for the sake of the plot, they're all friends. Okay. Yeah, I think that is the one problem is that you've got your stock characters. Right. Which is, I mean, slash yes, 101. 
you 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 line these girls yeah. up you know who everybody is mm-hmm. which is kind of the beauty of a slasher movie is it's you know it's kind of paint by numbers right. yeah um so they get in there and they're they decide to take turns telling each other why they love each other <laughs> Claire, I love you because being your friend makes me multicultural without even trying. It's not problematic at all. Well, that is coming from Jessica. And as we established, Jessica is the bitch. Not a bitch. The bitch. The blonde in charge. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The, literally the HBIC. Um, and then what a, Claire says to Chugs. She's she says, you don't give says, a damn about what anyone thinks. Like, I, because you're always down for anything and you don't give a damn what anyone thinks. And then she makes a really horrible comment yes. about doing her dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Chugs tells Ellie, you're like a spell check with a nice rack. The best of friends. They're the best of friends. <laughs> Clearly. And then. Ellie is the only one who says something nice because she tells Cass that she loves her because she's real. And then Jessica, only because she can't afford fake ones. Like, they just have to one-up each other every <laughs> single yeah. time. And, and they do this through the whole movie. It's, it just seems kind of it's like anytime one of them does something, they have to one-up. Right. And then we have Cassidy with probably the best line of probably. the entire movie. Jessica, I love you because you make being a bitch an art form. And she just yep. goes, here, here. Yep. And then they cheers. What is it? Uh, it's, we honor Data thee pies. from life to death sorority. Life to death sorority. The... Which, by the way, Tim, every time we have a party now, that needs to be our cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like only yeah, Paul will get probably. it. <laughs> so. How to find the sorority row fan. Yeah, right. That's how you know. Which finding yeah. gifts and memes for Sorority Row is really challenging. I just want everyone to know. <laughs> yes, it is. I know. It's so disappointing because it's literally such a quotable movie. It's like Jennifer's Body. It is a, an extremely underrated, powerful, mm-hmm. quotable movie. I think it'll have its due. I want to give it maybe like two or three more years and it'll have its due. I think. I'm hoping. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe it came out over ten years ago, though. Like, wow. Um, okay. <laughs> and then, so they decide to tell everybody, hey, Megan's, they're like, where's Megan? Oh, we took a shot. We honored each other, but our other sister's not here. Finally, they realize that. So they're like, where's Megan? And then Jessica pops up in this screen and it's just a video of Chugs's brother on top of Megan, like making out with her. And literally, one of them makes the comment, like, she looks, she's not moving. She looks dead. Yeah. <laughs> we have to explain what's like... happening. Right. But I like that and... Jessica says that this is going to be a YouTube classic. Um, <laughs> these aren't YouTube videos I watch. <laughs> right. So, all of a sudden, Megan starts choking on it looks like she's going rabid and Garrett's freaking out. So they all run into that room. They shove Garrett out to go find help or get something. And then Jessica leans down, 
goes to perform CPR on Megan, and then Megan kisses her because surprise, it's a prank. Dun dun dun. Pranks and horror movies. They're just, they're never great. Like, who thinks, yeah, who thinks of this stuff? Like, who would prank? And then she's like, well, Garrett cheated on me. Oh, girl, dying is not a way. There are other more satisfying ways. It just, I always feel like in horror movies, pranks are never really well thought out because they're so extreme. Like, well, I think that that's why this movie is like happening. I mean, it's just, I understand because, you know, movie has to happen, but like, like that is so dark and deep. Like, what's the end game here? Like, oh, yeah, we just, right. We got you, Garrett. Oh, hmm. Like, I always think, like, Carrie, like, yeah, we dumped pig's blood on you. Uh, we got you. What? Like, that's so extreme. <laughs> it's so extreme. It makes no sense. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, not, at least that one's not, this one's not as bad as <laughs> Carrie, because, I mean, they literally murdered an innocent Correct. animal yeah. for that prank. Like, that's psychotic. This is and just this, And it goes on and on and on. It's not like he runs to get help and comes back and surprise she's alive. Like, they drag it out <laughs> to, to when she actually yeah. dies. And it's just like, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. Well, I will say this probably isn't, is about the same as Carrie as far as the mental anguish of the, the results of the prank. Because, like, these girls take it so far. And so Garrett comes back. They're driving to this, what is it, a lake, a ravine? Mineshaft, Mine yeah. Yes, there we go. Thank you. Um, where they're going to dump her body. As they're on their way, um, Chugs, Garrett's freaking out, and Chug starts laughing, and Jessica sh- shoots her a dirty look. And so she's like, <laughs> fakes cries, which is ab- actually kind of hilarious. But then Cassie turns around and starts to tell Garrett that it's all a prank and just goes, goes, oh my god, she's dead. I mean, Jessica <laughs> is kind of the ultimate and you see this throughout the entire film. Like, she's such a manipulator that, you know, really she should be in politics, but, you know, <laughs> she is just, she knows how to work a room. She knows when to put it on, which mm-hmm. we see later, like, in the, the, the jump forward. You know, you see all of it. You see the way that she kind of plays everyone as a puppet throughout the entire I mean literally through the entire movie true so they pull over near this mine shaft um, they get Megan's body out of the car and how she knows to do this I don't know but Jessica says fan out find some sharp rocks so we can cut up the body and then she goes to silicone float and you just see Megan give her the bird behind because Megan's got her phone out recording. Like, I, I have to at least appreciate Jessica for being like, she's a bitch, but she's got some major wit. On oh, her. for sure. Yeah, I mean, she's the she's like she's the one that you are just like, oh, she's the worst, but I love her. <laughs> yeah. She she reminds me a lot of Gail, but at least Gail was a good person at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Jessica has it. I, I, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe we'll discover it as we continue talking about it, but I don't think Jessica has a moment like mm-hmm. Gail does where you're like, yeah, I can't wait to see you in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I don't think so. 
Yeah. So they they fan out, and then Cassidy and Ellie go over to Jessica, and they're like, hey, I think this is funny and all. She goes, yeah, that's why we're doing it, because it's funny. And she says it all serious, which kind of makes you think, like, what like, the Like, is fuck? it funny? Because all <laughs> this time... Someone's a little psychotic. Like, mm-hmm. All this time, Jessica's talking about, or, like, whenever she talks or, like, makes jokes, she's, like, got this little haughty smirk on her face, and she looks stone cold serious in this moment so you're like what the hell like there's got to be something going on there Mm -hmm. which we'll get to later on um don't want to spoil that right now so they all leave garrett with megan's body somebody who's (laughs) in deep mental anguish so he really thinks that she's dead and he's like okay well this body can't float so he goes and gets the tire iron, and we're, this is brilliant filmmaking, though, because all we have is the focus is on the girls, and you just see Garrett blurred out in the background, standing over Megan's body, and you can't really see what he's doing. Then all of a sudden, he plunges the tire iron into her chest, and you just get screaming and chaos and blood going everywhere, and Megan Kurt choking on her blood. Like it was an intense. It's a, I mean, it's scene. a, it's a. It's graphic. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's that's one thing I will applaud about this yeah. movie is like you know it definitely takes an homage to kind of like early 80, 80s slasher movies where it is unrelenting in its brutality. Every kill in this movie is graphic, yeah. and I you know it earns its R rating, which I I can you know I think if you're going to go mm-hmm. see a slasher movie, it's hard sometimes when it's PG thirteen, as we've seen in like you know. 2019's Black Christmas. It's just, it's just, I, I, it just isn't the same. And, you know, I hate to be like, oh, I, you know, the kills were lame. It's, there's not enough gore. I hate being that guy. But at the same time, it's like, we're doing an old school slasher movie. We got to see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. There was a lot more. Well, you know, oh, yeah, you know, just that. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> That's, That's another, another episode. They used like the death scenes to kind of bring back that like slasher sort of filmmaking mentality of like you know that people are going to die but you don't necessarily expect the manner in which it happens. Right. Mhm. Like you don't expect I think is this the first movie we've ever had where somebody actually gets like a tire and iron tire iron in their so. chest? Yeah, like th- that was brilliant. Instead of just doing a regular knife, like having something different, so you're like, "Whoa, wait, what? This what? <laughs> something you didn't think you could stab?" And it wasn't with. necessarily right. premeditated either, them. because it was just in the car. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and it's an everyday object mm-hmm. that people have in their cars, and then you're just like, "Oh, holy fuck!" This is now murder Which weapon. Now, anytime okay. I see a tire iron in a car, I'm just like, "I don't trust this car or this vehicle. I have to leave right now." <laughs> <laughs> this is a car I should not be in. Yeah. yeah. So Megan has a tire iron in her chest. She did. Everybody's freaking out, and of course, the first person after all the chaos to collect themselves is Jessica. And she formulated a plan. Say what you want about Jessica, but that girl is a planner. She, <laughs> she thinks she on her feet. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
Um, so Cassidy and Ellie had tried to save Megan and Cassidy put her coat over Megan and was trying to stop the bleeding, which I get, you know, you're supposed to put pressure on like a wound if it's bleeding, but yeah, that probably was not going to work in this case. (laughs) Think just Megan was just dead. Um, like, so we've got to talk a little bit. We've talked about the relationship between these girls and they're just like mean to each other, but this is the instant where you kind of realize the actual relationship between all of them because Jessica manipulates them to turning on Cassidy at this point. Right. That's yeah. True. Cause I think Cassidy is, I mean, again, we all have our stock characters. Cassidy is kind of the do gooder final girl character. And she is like, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to call the police. We're going to do that. We're going to take care of it. And Jessica understands what's, I mean, she gets the situation and is kind of like, all right, this isn't going to look good for us. We're never going to have any future. We're going to, you know, they're all, you know, they're going into their senior year of college. So, you know, she's thinking about realistically herself, but um, she's using the, we're not going to walk away from this. And I think she says that like five or six times in this whole monologue that she gives. We can't just walk away from this, you know. And then she points out everybody's weaknesses. She talks about Claire's dad. You know, she talks about, you know, to Ellie about the Greek sorority system, all of that. It just doesn't, you know, she preys on everyone's Mm -hmm. weaknesses. Yeah. And that's where she's like, you know, you, your coat is covered in her blood, Cassidy. And then they all say, we won't tell anybody what you did. Yeah, and also it was sort of calculated to blame Cassidy because she walked away from the situation. And then mm-hmm. they sort of were like, well, we're going to wrap her in your jacket. And then, oh, you know, it's going to be your fault now just because she was the one that was like, no, we're going to call the police and I want nothing to do with this. And so they were like, they, it was again it was like a manipulation because she sort of walked away from the situation and suddenly it was like well we can blame her because mm-hmm. we stayed and took mm-hmm. care of it and and she walked away so it was like this perfect setup for Jessica to be like it's your fault yeah right. and you know Cassidy pointed out what about the tenets of sisterhood trust honor and respect and Jessica stone cold again goes you forgot to secrecy and solidarity which I think solidarity comes into play here because they're not in solidarity with one another. They want to, um, you know, they, Cassidy isn't with them. And I think we see that because then we get the jump to a year later um, at graduation and Cassidy is not living with them. She's not talking to them. She's not interacting with them. Um, They're all together, including Ellie and, um, the only reason Cassidy ends up going to the sorority party, even though Andy, her boyfriend, is like, hey, like, why don't we not go? Is because her mom's a, um, like a legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An alumni. She's the legacy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about sororities. <laughs> so. Um, so they're there. They go there to the after party. And I love it because. Cassidy's mom just completely side-eyes Jessica. <laughs> and she knows exactly the kind of person Jessica is. And it's really funny. Just in that quick little moment. Um, but Jessica is giving a speech. Everybody's gathered around. And all of a sudden, this figure starts moving throughout the crowd. And she's 
covered by sunlight. And you're like, okay, well, who's this person? What's happening? And then she gets closer and Ellie screams and faints. <sighs> because she thought it was Megan. The first of many Ellie screams for no reason. Yes. <laughs> so they take Ellie into the kitchen and are trying to get her to calm down. And Ellie's like, no, it was Megan. I saw her, blah, 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 blah. And what did Jessica say I mean, to her when she came in? I forgot to write this down. Jessica has the great line when she comes into the kitchen and says, okay, who up and faints anymore? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she puts it perfectly. I mean, as much as I appreciate Rumor Willis, and I think she's great, she seems like a nice lady, Ellie is the ultimate wet blanket in this movie. The ultimate yeah. wet blanket <laughs> in this movie. I feel like they could have done so much more with her, especially Ugh. because Rumor Willis is pretty talented. Yes. And she's she's fun and could have done so much more as Ellie, and they did not give her character enough to do. Right. I mean, I think it's, again, I think, yes, these all these girls have defined personalities. I think two and a half of them have really well-defined characteristics and traits, but I think a lot of that does stem from the fact that they are playing tropes of the slasher. Right. Again, we'll get into it as we get further into the movie. Because I have thoughts. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it turns out it wasn't Megan. It was Megan's younger sister, Maggie, played by Caroline D'Amour. Uh, she introduces herself and Jessica's like, get this bitch out of here. Friend me on Facebook. I'll totally confirm. It's the weirdest interaction <laughs> though. It really is. I mean, it is. I understand that like, you know, it's hashtag red herring, but it is. Like, it's so this whole conversation in the kitchen is bizarro land. Yeah. And then Maggie leaves and in comes What's uh, his name? Oh, yeah. Aptly named, looks like every other white boy ever, Kyle and Jessica's boyfriend. And the awful, disgusting, waste of space human being, Mickey, Claire's boyfriend, mm. walk into the kitchen. Chugs claims she has to go to therapy. They're like, get us drugs. She's like, oh, I have to do more for that. Because apparently she sleeps with her therapist. Um, so... I mean, everybody gets there some way or another. Good for you, Jess, <laughs> I guess, but <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, but I guess that's how she gets her drugs. I mean, everybody has their vice. Okay. So there's a lot happening in this little mid-sequence where, you know, you've got Claire and Mickey fucking in the hot tub. Um, you've got Jessica meeting Kyle's dad, who obviously is a Republican, just saying. Um... And you kind of get a little glimpse of Jessica giving, being given a taste of her own medicine and being told that she's not good enough, pretty much. Um, and then you've got the scene um, where Jessica clearly can't give a shit about anybody else but herself because she tells Claire, or Cassidy, Jesus, C names, um, that, you know, Ellie doesn't have to write a term papers for anymore. Why does she give a fuck about her? So there's, like, a lot happening in this little middle sequence. But I kind of want to just jump to Chugs. So we get to this therapist's office, and it's it's a really... It's got that 
greenish bluish hue to it that all of those movies around that time did, had where you're like okay this is about to be a kill sequence because this is like this just became cold mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so she goes in and she's she picks up a bottle of liquor and is walking around finds her therapist in his bed handcuffed and practically naked and he's like okay find the keys i'll give you the good stuff <laughs> She's like, fine, whatever. Goes to the bathroom, is poking around in the cabinets, and goes to close the mirror, and she goes, cheers, slut. Love that line, yeah. too. I mean, again, this this part is, I think, I don't know. I, I want to, I'm trying to look at it not from a 2020 lens, but it's hard not to. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's such a, like, like, why is his therapist office in his house? Like, that's weird yeah. to me. <laughs> you know, I go, I right. go to and... a whole different, like, office building to see my therapist. Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's weird to me that this would happen. But again, it's, you know, hashtag movie. But then that, that seems like a cheap excuse. Right. But also, you know, at, one, at what point do we excuse these problematic depictions? Mm-hmm. You know, her therapist is abusing his um, client uh, or his patient, Dr. Privilege, by promising her drugs, which I'm sure is not helping her therapy at all. And well, it's also not just her. In exchange for sex. Because clearly he's, yeah. he said that things went short with his last patient that's what happened you know that's that's why he's in his current state so it's like (laughs) it's gross (laughs) yeah so you know and this is where we go back to talking about how oh these the the writers did some problematic things with these characters but also kind of showing how chugs is supposed to be the party girl she's supposed to be fun and flirty she's the one that's taking her top off and summoning the killer with her sexy dance or whatever going back to the final Mm -hmm. girls um (laughs) but i think this also if you can look at it on the flip side it gives a different perspective to that party girl like okay maybe she's a little fucked up maybe something happened to her maybe like there's a lot more deeper insight to this person than we thought you know there there is a lot to be said for a little bit more of a of a deeper character but i also don't want to excuse them making this character a little bit more interesting and different by giving her trauma you know, and that's that's something with female characters that writers have done throughout horror movies is they're interesting because trauma. Right. Well, and I think that I think that her and again, we don't get this backstory. We as the audience kind of have to fill that in, which is fine. I think as horror fans, we're all used to this. You know, we can mm-hmm. figure out what Chug's life looked like. I would say even before the incident with Megan and her brother, because, again, I feel like it's so pushed to the side that it was her brother that ended up killing Megan you know they talk about it a little bit when they're at the mine shafty quarry area but not really they you know it's like my you know my brother's not gonna go to jail for a stupid prank no way she has that line she has yeah. all those things I think that she was doing what she was doing with Dr. Rosenthal before any of this happened so I think that's kind of like okay there's a whole story there there's a whole and there, right. with Jessica too, you know, Jessica's got a whole, you know, the scene with Kyle's dad is really telling of her character of okay, 
So she's got a whole other bag of stuff going on because she's chosen to hitch her wagon to Kyle, who is second yeah. rate to Mickey <laughs> of like dick boyfriends. Terrible boyfriends. <laughs> you know, it's but there's a reason that she's with them, with him, and there's a whole situation happening there. And that's what's so great about these kind of slasher movies is yes, you can look at them and you can see them so one dimensionally and say, Oh, well, she's the bitch. She's the party girl. She's the virgin, you know, whatever. But you can really dive into the character and really, you know, if that's something that you do, you look at them and say, okay, well, there's something else happening there. I understand you. I understand what's happening here because movie has to happen. But also, let's dive in a little deeper. And that's why we're here right now. But, you know, I think with Chugs, I think you can look at this scene with her therapist and think, this is gross. I don't like it, which it is. But there's also something else going on under the surface that's, of course, not going to be talked about in a one hour and 40 minute movie. But, you know. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot. But, you know. Um, the therapist definitely gets his comeuppance <laughs> because we hear this clanking of a tire iron and then the therapist sees somebody and we see this cloaked figure and a tire iron gets thrown and we just get some blood spatter. The whole sequence itself is also really nicely filmed because mm-hmm. it's like the first mm-hmm. kind of really kind of drawn out suspenseful moment when even when like Chugs first comes in the house, it's like this um this large silent space and then she's walking around and it's right. it's the lighting is interesting. And even in the hallway, um, when the therapist like hears somebody and the figure appears, just just the whole use of like shadows and things is really interesting. And then like even the blood spatter moment, it's like clearly you know what's happened and it's like the first death that isn't Megan. And it's just interesting the way that it was kind of put together and tells the story of his death and which leads to more deaths that are coming. Well, and I think this movie is shot really well. The production value of this movie, the cinematography of this movie is really well done, but I think you're right because I think this is the first instance where we're, okay, now we're in a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Now we're in a, now we're kind of almost in a heightened reality of, you know, because like he throws that tire iron like, you know, okay, sure, yeah, you're an expert at like, <laughs> tire yeah. iron. Like he went to axe right. throwing and yeah. became like an expert. The king of but axe it, I mean, it is, yeah. it is, it is the first instance of kind of a heightened reality of a now we're now we're in a new stage of playing because I think the Megan death is right. very gritty and raw, and even the way the camera is positioned, it's very kind of like gorilla style, where it's you know it's very shaky and handheld, whereas this is very clean and very mm-hmm. precise, and everything is done for a reason. Which and also, I think- it tells us that like now there's a killer in the house with Chugs. Yep. Hmm. Yep. So Chugs walks back around, doesn't find the doctor where he was. And oh god, this is such a problematic mm-hmm. line and I don't want to say it! Ugh. I don't have time to play catch me yeah. with me. It's not great. <laughs> it's not. 
No. <laughs> uh, so this is where the little line and, and like the, like we said, two thousand nine, two thousand nine. This was, I guess, fine before we realized it wasn't fine. <laughs> I, I think honestly, I don't know. I looked at it probably like in two thousand nine and thought, oh, that's a weird line then. But I think it's again, it's it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit a while ago, where it was like mm-hmm. there's something else there. There's something else with her where it's like that's what yeah. she's kind of let herself become almost that this is where we're mm-hmm. at i don't know that's yeah. the relationship yep yeah so she's she goes to lay down on the couch um and she's drinking that bottle of liquor and then she gets the bottle shoved down her throat this is one of the most uncomfortable kills mm-hmm. i've ever watched mm-hmm. she gets the bottle shoved down her throat shoved down even mm-hmm. more as she's choking on it and then she gets her throat slit and you just see the blood come up into the bottle i hate anything to mm-hmm. do with throats like i have so- i can't do it and to watch this holy shit that was so uncomfortable this was probably one of the most brutal kills i think it is probably because again it's the first big one after megan like you were saying and i think it is mm-hmm it's the most horrific and it's the most, I don't think it's the most graphic, but I definitely think it is the most like, holy shit, what just happened? <laughs> I think she suffers more than anybody in this movie, like with their death. I would, yeah. We can go back into it a little bit more, but yeah, I think she's the only one who doesn't get almost an instant death. It's tough. Yeah. It is a tough one to watch, especially because, like, I'm like, ha, the throat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that. Ugh. Can we talk about the shower Oof. scene for a minute? Because that's what you do. You go into a shower um, and you talk about the night you murdered someone in a public <laughs> shower, but right? At least, yeah. But, you know, at least we get a little bit more of a sense of who Claire is and how she's actually feeling guilt over it. And then Jessica just doesn't feel any guilt at all. Well, because she even says to Claire, because Claire says to Jessica, I've always had your back. Mm-hmm. And Jessica's response is, but you've never had a back but never Which had is a such backbone. A, I mean, again, I think Claire is the Gretchen Wieners to the Jessica Regina George. Which, again, those movies came around at the same time. So, like, that kind of mean girl mentality is there. So you see it in this, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I think Mean Girls was, what, like, 05? So it's it's there. I thought it was 03. Who knows? My ears have been off. I don't know. I know I saw it in high school. <laughs> that was a year I was in high school. I don't know. <laughs> but, it, I mean, yeah. it, it really is. Um, I it's, it's showing that Claire's yeah. kind of almost just like a minion of Jessica's. And you see mm-hmm. this throughout the entire movie that Claire is just there to be Jessica's pawn almost. Yeah. It's kind of like her agency relies on what Jessica's agency right. is. So it's just unfortunate like that Claire is like that. But I mean there are dichotomies in relationships where it is going to be like that sometimes between friends, which I don't think is a really a friend relationship. I think it's just Oh, this person can protect me or hurt me, so I'm gonna go with mm-hmm. the protecting part. It's it's so it's more out of necessity than it is. It's an better to friendship. be suffering and 
like loved than be kind of on the outskirts and have nothing. And that's kind of what the sororities are right. too, is because right. like you have to get into them and you have to be like accepted. And it's like, oh, well, you got in. So you're like somehow already better. And we're this whole group of people. And um, like, we might not all, there's like a hierarchy of like who's older and who's the big sister and who's the little sister and who does all this. So there's like already set in place kind of like almost personalities of like, how are you supposed to act and like who's in charge and that can really like mess with the dynamic when something serious happens. I mean, you're voted right. on to get in. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they have to pick you. It just, yeah. Like, Oh, you're easy to manipulate. Okay. Come on in. Yeah. That does not sound like my type of place. No. <laughs> oh goodness. And then, um, obviously they're talking about it and there's a girl in there, Joanna, she is credited as sure. Joanna, <laughs> overhears the conversation and she almost drops a bottle of shampoo, which would indicate that she's there after Jessica's like, anybody who's not a senior needs to get out and we get a gratuitous tit scene with Jessica making a girl walk through the house naked. And then... Um, they leave, Claire and Jessica leave, and Joanna over, she hears some sounds and makes her nervous, as it should, because the shower curtain gets pulled back. Surprise, it's the graduation guy. He murders her. Poor Joanna. Total innocent here. Doesn't even have a line. Uh, No lines. Just a naked girl in a shower dying. (laughs) Bye. Poor girl. And she gets that tire iron right up yeah. through her throat. Another uncomfortable thing because then you mm-hmm. see it through her mouth. Alrighty. <laughs> so now we head back to the party. And of course, Mickey is trying to grind on Claire and she's like, I ain't having this. <laughs> and they get in a fight. And, you know, there's other little things happening, like Andy showing up and Cassidy and him talking and like, you know, there's a lot of little things happening. And so Mickey goes out and then he tries to, are these girls like freshmen? Like he's like scamming on these freshman girls or something like that? I think so. Because I think yeah. he's, and- he, he's got like, you know, he's got that like bro mentality of like his ego's bruised because Claire just was like, I'm over you. I'm done with you. <laughs> and then yeah. he he like comes after Ellie really quickly and it's like this whole oh, yeah. it's oh my like God. this whole thing with her. Uh, he's uh, just gross. He's just gross. <laughs> okay. So it's the whole thing of where he's like you know, come on Ellie you know, blah blah blah. And she's like if you fucking touch me again, I will fucking kill you. Yeah. He's like you like, know, the shy girl. I needed <laughs> Yeah. Like, Courtney, I imagine you doing the exact thing to somebody. Oh, I have, like, but I'm not a You will be like, I will Because <laughs> we've been out together a lot, and I know that you can definitely mm-hmm. hold your own, but I literally w- would love, I've never heard you say it, but I also am glad we've never been in this situation where you've had to. <laughs> 
But I definitely can see you saying that. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Guys are gross. They are. Guys are so gross. <laughs> but again, they're feeding into that whole so- trope of like fraternity guys and they're at the sorority party so it's like it's giving you this narrative so and trying to make you care about the characters i think this movie definitely does play on let's take every sorority fraternity stereotype and let's just put it all in one Mm -hmm. hour and a half (laughs) like let's just do let's do all that i mean with all of the like gratuitous party scenes and the drinking and there's like that random scene where that girl mm-hmm. shows up naked for reasons um, I don't know, <laughs> which I don't feel like happened. It actually happened in real Who knows? life, but I don't know. We'll never know. But it's you know, it's just yeah. I think uh, again, it's it's kind of like you know, even going back to like Animal House, where it's like we're just gonna take all these tropes and put it into one movie, which mm-hmm. for me I think works because it's like. If I'm going to watch a fraternity or sorority movie, I want to watch the most ridiculous thing ever. Right? right. It should be super over the top. Exactly. Right. And then we, you know, Ellie leaves and she's like, fuck this guy. Mickey sees these two girls. Or no, he sees this kid in the cap and, and the cap and gown and he's like oh why are you you know graduation's over blah 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 and then he sees these two girls trying to sneak in and pulls the well I have the wristbands and then pulls them aside to get them to flash him like ugh, he's so I think gross. they're both credited on IMDB as naive girl <laughs> that's what they're both credited as <laughs> you know what I think they weren't so naive they yeah. were a lot smarter because ugh. yeah it's such a, I mean, it is such a, like, it reminds me of, like, remember, you know, like, all those Girls Gone Wild, like, infomercials where you're just like, right, this seems gross and I hate it. Right. And then, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, we decided not. <laughs> he looks up and he sees Ellie and he's like, oh, god damn it, now I gotta go, like, talk to Ellie because she might have seen me and I don't want her telling Claire and blah, blah. So he goes and runs up to the attic and he's like okay ellie where are you and we don't know if she's up there still or not at this point but all of a sudden this character comes out and breaks mickey's freaking leg like full-on snaps it okay when i went back to chug suffering no i think i was was gonna say (laughs) i think chugs is number one because it's it's pretty gravity i would say mickey is i just don't want to give mickey the credit Mickey is. I know. Do we care? (laughs) Like, do we really care? I guess. I guess for me, yeah. Chugs suffered most because I actually like somewhat cared about Chugs, whereas Mickey, I'm like, right, "Eh, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) You probably. I would say. I think the first two deaths are aside again. Megan's the first. Whatever. Chugs and Mickey, I think, are the two big ones because I think going forward, as we as we will discuss these are the first two they're the most brutal the rest of them feel t- to yeah. me very kind of like eh, okay we don't actually get like chasing right. or mm-hmm. kill sequences or build up like we do yep. with those two. but the sluttier you are the sooner um, you die correct 
can we like reverse that at some point? Because I mean, it's 2020. Everybody's <laughs> slutty now. Yeah. Doesn't mean we should all die. <laughs> I mean, again, it's 2009, so we it hadn't yep. really like evolved. And again, like sororities and stuff. So it's it's getting better. But yeah, that's just it. It does play on that trope of like, oh, they're sluts. They're gonna die. Okay. Again, I mean, this movie isn't. First you slut, then you die. Not rewriting history yeah. of slasher. <laughs> no, this ain't no, not. this ain't no cabin in the woods. It is right. <laughs> no, to the point. This is this yeah. is to the point. Yeah. All right. So Mickey goes and crawls to this. What is that? Like a is that a demolator yes. yeah. or? Okay. It's like an older mansion. Yeah, so it's a dumb waiter, and he goes and like tries to crawl into it, and then he gets stuck because he's a fucking dumbass. He's too big for it. And the killer takes this pimped out tire iron and stabs what looks like an arrowhead through it, and turns it till it hits Mickey in the neck, and then cuts Mickey's neck yeah, open. It's tough. And Mickey is dead. And it turns out Ellie was up there mm-hmm. watching it the whole time. Mm-hmm. So she's crying, running down the stairs, and everybody's like, oh, fucking shit. And this is where we get a point with Kyle where we're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Because he grabs Jessica's arm, and he's like, you better make sure everything's okay. Like, almost, like, in a way, a an abuser would talk to his victim. I mean, this movie should also just be called like hashtag red herring because everybody in this movie i think with the exception of like cassidy is made to be out the red herring i mean yeah everybody maybe claire too i think claire's probably the only other person that's like you know uh (laughs) everybody in this movie has a motive has a reason to be doing what they're doing right and they throw out little hints about like oh here's Jessica's red herring, and here's this red herring, and exactly, yeah, it's just like a whole part of the plot now. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Ellie is running down the stairs, freaking out. Kyle yells at Jessica to make sure everything's taken care of, and they go in. All are in the kitchen, and she's like, she can't get it out, and she's trying to breathe. And they figure out that she's saying something about Mickey being dead. Um. So. Cassidy and Jessica go up to the attic. I fucking love this line, Tim. I think you would want to take this line. So I'll let you. They go up to the attic, walk in. Oh, well, yeah. They see and Mickey's they shoes. See and, you know, Jessica has a... Well, Jessica has a couple great lines in this scene. You know, yes. she says to Cassidy, she goes, you know, when you're sarcastic, you sound like a bitch. And nobody likes a bitch. But then they come across Mickey and he goes, well, that's Mickey. I recognize those ugly ass shoes anywhere. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just yeah. one after the other. <laughs> yeah. And then Cassidy goes, do you think he's dead? And she goes, well, he's got a fucking tire iron. So yeah, throat. <laughs> I do. Just a little bit. And then they were... And then they receive a text message asking them, apparently from Garrett, asking them to meet at the mine shaft in an hour. Um, and they're like, okay, we got to delete this before Ellie sees it. And you hear Ellie scream in the distance just because, <laughs> shit. <laughs> 
So what do you guys think about them hiding the original text from Ellie? Well, they're always trying to like protect her because mm-hmm. she's like the shy, scared one. So she she's never really mm-hmm. she doesn't really have any like agency when we meet her. She's always like got her hair is always like covering her face and she's looking down and she's not like engaging with the group. And then even when she's upset and she sees Mickey murdered, she's like crying hysterically and she can't get the information out. And they're all just like, well, Jessica is frustrated with her. Um, <laughs> so it's just like she's just like the shy scared one that can't do things for herself yeah i mean i think she really i mean i think at first when you first when you if you go in blind to this movie if you've seen any slasher movie she is almost set up to be kind of your final girl you're kind of like timid Mm -hmm. shy one but as the movie progresses and we meet cassidy she almost just becomes i mean she's such a wet blanket that it's just like (laughs) girl come on yeah which you know is very frustrating because you get that moment earlier when mm-hmm. we talked about with mickey where she's yeah. like i'll fucking kill you and then she doesn't she doesn't do, do anything do until the very end which i know nikki you and i have talked about we'll get to we'll that too. we'll get there <laughs> it's but it's, we'll I mean, it. It, it, we'll it just kind of <laughs> seems like they're all the big sister and she's a little sister and they all are kind of just like, I can't with this one, you know, again, it's Mm -hmm. the concept we were talking about earlier yeah. uh, in the episode where it was like, you know, you're kind of, why are you all friends? How are you all friends? I'm confused. Just (laughs) because it's a movie. Right. (laughs) Like Jessica and Ellie in real life would like not even speak to each other. They would never be in the same circle ever Ever. (laughs) like i could see like claire like i could claire jessica and maybe cassidy and chug i i I can see everybody but ellie just doesn't fit in anywhere well here's what i see claire no not claire but cassidy and jessica may be Mm. friends in high school but then like i could definitely see cassidy being more friends with ellie because she doesn't give a shit more yeah about stereotypes mm-hmm. or like that as much as jessica does so like i could definitely see cassidy and ellie still being friends but definitely not even cassidy and jessica at this point like they would be frenemies at best yeah. all right but yeah i just i think they do i mean i know it lends to like how the movie progresses why they hide the text from ellie but at the same time it didn't make much of a difference so now we've got the girls leaving the party to head out to go to the lake. And then we get a scene where Jessica, there's somebody standing in the road. Ellie screams and Jessica slams on the brakes and Cassidy goes, Ellie, you've got to stop doing that. She's definitely definitely some comic relief when it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Which, Tim, you were like, yeah, this is my point, Cassidy. Yeah, there we go. Please stop. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it's Maggie of all people standing in the middle of the road and Jessica gets out and is like, what the fuck are you thinking? And starts yelling at her and (laughs) Maggie spills the tea. We find out that Garrett not only cheated on Megan, but cheated with Jessica. Yeah. Ooh, motive. Yep. Again, everyone's a red herring. Everybody is. (laughs) Which, 
like lends back to what we were talking about when they were originally at the mine shaft and Megan wasn't dead yet when Jessica was so serious about like, yeah, we're doing this because it's funny. Because we're getting back at him. What? For whatever reason. Yeah. But like, I also think it might have been she's trying to do something to Megan at the same time. Like she's somewhat jealous of me yeah i mean i think i think jessica is a character that you could t- i mean this could be it could be all episode about jessica and or just hashtag mean girls in horror movies mm-hmm. because there's always something underneath and i think with jessica in particular there is and we see it later where she and maggie kind of fight later uh there's a whole mm-hmm. insecurity and I think people who are insecure like that take it out on other people. So there's a whole thing with her and Cassidy and Ellie. You know, there's a whole, you know, yeah, there's a whole can of worms that we don't have the time for right now, but we all know it's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right? Maybe maybe we should start a Patreon. Right. And that <laughs> yes, Mean Girls and Horror. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would be an interesting mm-hmm. study too. But it would, I think it would have to be a series because the Mean Girl is really probably one of the more interesting characters. Oh my usually. gosh, yeah. And well, and there's so and, many different kinds. Of, you know, you've got like Jessica, you've got Chris yeah. and Carrie, where it's like, oh, there's so much happening there. There's just so much happening. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely something to talk about. But the fact that we get this tea tells us that there is something deeper. And again, that these girls did not like each other as much as you thought. Not that we did, but like Jessica's relationship with Megan was not a good one. And yeah, exactly. And so Maggie, what is it? Oh, Jessica says, I'll deal with you later. And Maggie just, Maggie turns out to be exactly like these girls. And she just goes, you might want to deal with that hair first because it looks like shit. Just the dicks. <laughs> and Jessica doesn't, Jessica has no idea what to do with that because she's not used to people yep. fighting her. And being able to snap right back. So she can't control this girl and she's pissed. So she gets in the car, they drive to the mine shaft, and... They're like, okay, well, where's Garrett? He told us to meet him here. And then they go to turn on the headlights because they're like, it's dark. I can't see anything. And he's, boom, he's standing right there with the phone in his hand. But it looks like he had, trigger warning, um, mm-hmm. cut his own mm-hmm. wrists. And Jessica just gets, he's, he starts running over to them and Jessica's like, absolutely fucking not gets in the car and goes and runs him down. Not once, but several times. Yeah. I mean, I I think this scene is, is like, it's interesting because I think when you look at this movie as a whole, when you're going into it, like, well, it's clearly Garrett. He's the one that's doing it mm -hmm. because they did this to him. Yeah. Whatever. I think it's, it's an interesting movie that like, you know, they even mentioned early on that like Garrett has problems. He went to re he was in a facility. He was he in did it- all this. Yeah. He has these mental health issues as a result of what this quote unquote prank was. <laughs> Cause again, horror movie pranks, mm-hmm. they're not well thought out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think he no. is the ultimate, I think youth, I remember seeing it in the movie. I was like in the theater, thinking like, "Oh, it's clearly Garrett. Like he's the one that's doing it." Like, duh. 
I've seen a horror movie before. Mm-hmm. I know what's up. So I think this scene is yeah particularly shocking and kind of sad because you know he you know he got the text that the girls got that was like come to the mine shaft or this video that Megan posted or recorded will go viral whatever and I think he couldn't handle that right. and thus was going to take his own life you know it's it's a sad scene when you really think about it because he he is he is responsible yeah. solely at the end of the day but you know these girls kind of play them right and it's unfortunate because you know they don't really get that moment with him to realize until after he's yeah. dead thank you jessica like that he did receive those sex messages and that he wasn't the killer and at this point they're like okay well who the fuck is it then like we're out of suspects and um they're like okay we need to make sure that megan's body is in the mind shaft like is this real because ellie's like oh my god it's got to be megan it's got to be megan which ellie she fucking died don't be stupid they Being think the it's Megan probably like, until the very end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like some of them probably right. die think it's, it's Megan. Um, so Ellie suspects that Megan is the killer. Um, but so they're like, okay, we got to check the mine shaft. So of course, Cassidy is the one that gets lowered into the mine shaft to prove that Megan's dead and dun, 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 her body is missing. And there's a message with written in blood that says, Theta Pi must dun, dun, die. Dun. <laughs> <laughs> so they head back to the sorority house, um, and they find out through text messages that Chugs is dead. Meanwhile, Claire walks out to go turn the hot tub off with the flare gun. So this whole time they're in the house but when they get that text message it says it's only sent to jessica cassidy and ellie and they're like well why isn't claire included and then all of a sudden claire's runs up to the door that's a good jump scare she's trying to get in yeah that is a good use of a jump scare because you know it's coming because they have their there's that whole heat up with claire out in like all the bubbles of Mm -hmm. the hot tub exploding or whatever it's such a good use right because it's like okay we know something's gonna happen i just don't know when right and then you almost forget about claire for a moment the way they go through the house turn the music off the way they kick the people out Mm -hmm. who are making out on the couch like you almost forget that she's out there for a minute um and you're like okay well nope claire's right there oh crap and for people that lived in that house, they sure aren't being very smart about how to open yeah. their door. <laughs> like, I, they forgot the latch that was on top. So, and then Cassidy looks and she sees that Claire has a cable wrapped around her. And then you just see Claire get yanked back, which this is probably one of my favorite shots of the movie. And Jamie Chung does such an excellent mm-hmm. job with that scene. Like, she, like, her screams are authentic. She's 
clutching at the ground as if she's mm-hmm. going to be able to dig her nails in and stop from getting pulled back. Like she does such. An I think this is probably the best scene. set piece for a kill in the movie because I think it's it's such a mm-hmm. different thing that we haven't seen before. Where it's like you know we're yeah taking something that's common and and making it spooky. Um, and I think that yeah, Jamie Chung just delivers and it seems like it's so good and so scary (laughs) and then yeah and you see her pop up in the middle of the bubbles and stand there but you can see her like frozen but still shaking and the terror that she's feeling you can feel too and it's just so good how she acts that out and then she gets pulled down and you see a struggle happening Mm -hmm. and then just a flare and surprisingly the girls can get the door open now which, fun nod to the original, the little cane that Cassidy grabs is the cane that the house mother in the original uses, which I think they kill her in the original, and I think the killer <laughs> uses throughout the rest of the movie. I think. It's been a minute since I've seen the original. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty she sure does, the house I know she dies, dies, but yeah. I feel like the, the bird, it's like a bird, cane. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I love the little nod. Yeah, the yeah. little nods to the original is great. And that little, like, piece is awesome for this. So Cassidy runs out with the cane towards where the flare was. And she walks up. And in the midst of these bubbles in the ground with the flare still going... Inside Claire's mouth, you just see Claire's burnt face with shocked wide eyes dead on the ground. That scene, I don't think I'll ever forget because it's been one of the most shocking deaths I've ever seen in a horror movie, in any movie at all. Like, I did not expect this. There's also a really good use of lighting, too, Mm -hmm. because they're outside, Mm -hmm. it's the whole area is covered in the bubbles from the hot tubs. You can't see what's going on, but you see the flare and it doesn't just die out. It keeps burning. And then you see it in Claire's mouth when they get there. And it's just Mm -hmm. like a really interesting way visually to tell the story of her death and them finding her dead. I think it's way more interesting than if she had got shot in the chest or in the hip or stomach or anything with the flare gun. Like, no, straight in the mouth. Um, Which I do want to talk about um, later on with another death after that one. So um, we'll get there in a little bit. So remind me that we need to do that. Um, Okay. So Claire is dead. They go back in the house. They lock everything down. Um, They're kind of creeping throughout the house. They're going upstairs, and Jessica goes into her room and finds <laughs> Maggie in her bed, unclothed. Like, in full-on, like, traditional, what? like, first girl in horror movie death outfit. It's, like, underwear, bra and panties, men's shirt, tube socks. I was like... Throwback. Right? It's like, that's what you that's what you get killed in, in a horror movie, just so we're all clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what you wear. Right. And then... She's like, well, I met this really cute boy. This boy, pointing to a picture of Kyle, which leads to a big showdown between Megan and Jessica fist fighting and wrestling each other. It's Kyle, a lot of hair nowhere pulling. to be found. Yeah. yeah. The full-on girl fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Which, fun, funny thing, my mom has always said as a teacher, she'd rather um, break up a mm-hmm. guy fight mm-hmm. than a girl fight. Because <laughs> guys will stop. Yeah, just girls dig their claws in. Yeah. And with Biden, Which pulled Cassie, out hair extensions. of course, has to be the yeah. teacher being like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's, yeah, there's hair definitely ripped some out hair of being, the scalp. Hair like, left over and some nails. Yeah. So Cassidy has to go and break them up and be like, shh, 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 shh. You know, he's probably inside the house. And Maggie has no idea what's going on. Um, so then Jessica obtains the axe. And is like, fuck this shit. Um, and they hear uh, scraping again. And she goes around the corner and gets a shotgun butt to the face. Because it is Mrs. Crenshaw. <laughs> and she goes, I know I... I know what you did, and Jessica's like, we didn't mean to kill Megan, which way to fucking like, spill immediately it. gives it up. <laughs> and she's like, kill Megan? I talked to what you did in my <laughs> house, you idiot. <laughs> it's... And when, when she goes, oh, it's me, Mrs. Crenshaw, she goes, oh, you've had that right? coming for four years. She's just waiting for that moment. <laughs> Carrie Fisher don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> she will fuck you up. No, she don't. Exactly. Um, and then m- that's when Maggie finds out what actually happened to her sister, which, I mean, you that has to be a hugely devastating moment. And, you know, I think at this point she's not going to be thinking straight, so she's like, I've got to go find Megan. But also at off. this point, too, because as soon as Jessica's like, we didn't mean to kill Megan, they're also, like, saying yeah. that they think Megan is also the killer that she's not actually dead right. so it's like it's like we killed your yeah. sister but actually she might not be dead yeah. and she might be trying to kill us all so it's like not right. the best men- mental so, place for Maggie to be but I think that I think what this movie does a disservice no. to the Maggie character is we don't care enough about her I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just thinking of me as an audience member I don't I don't care about her enough to be like oh my gosh I hope you and your sister are reunited I don't know enough about her or Megan no. to be like, oh god, I can't wait for these sisters to get back together. I don't care, you know. It's like <laughs> I just don't, you know. Yeah. Her character is so underdeveloped that it's, it's almost a disservice for this scene because I think you're right because I think that could be a really great scene where it's like, oh shit, like my sister may be the killer or she might be alive. I'm so conflicted. It's just a good way to get her separated from yeah. the group. Exactly. Right. So Miss Crenshaw ushers them in and was like, don't make a sound, don't make a peep. And I'm going to take the shotgun and take care of this guy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's got them all in the room. And then, you know, we hear shotgun shots and we're not exactly sure what's going on. And then we see Miss Crenshaw take on the killer. And She's firing these shotgun shots at the killer and missing, which I feel like, oh, come on. Carrie Fisher hit, like, stormtroopers <laughs> moving right. in the air with blasters. Like, you can't tell me Carrie Fisher's gonna miss a killer from across the room with I mean, a shotgun. He's also like, not I mean, a house face. mother might. Right. <laughs> but he's no ghost yeah. face. Like, he's yeah. not, like, yeah. he doesn't seem very athletic to me. Like, where he's, like, popping out of nowhere. But, again, no. you know. I'm not a marksman, so I can't comment mm-hmm. on <laughs> like 
what it looks like to use a shotgun. I mean, I've I fired mean, a shotgun before, but I can definitely tell you it's not easy. I've never fired it at a human. I fired it at clay, but I, if I can hit a moving clay throughout the air with absolutely hand, <laughs> no hand-eye coordination, she can hit a killer from across the room. Okay, you can't tell me otherwise. This is the part of the movie where I was like, okay, disbelief. Well, also because it's Carrie Fisher, so we're all, you know, <laughs> let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> I run a house with 50 crazy mm-hmm, bitches. Right. You think I'm yep. scared of you? <laughs> she, I mean, and she plays, I love her. I mean, she does her job. She does what she needs to do. It's great. I like the line when she eventually gets killed and, yeah. you know, or, or stabbed and says, don't you lay a hand on mine, girls. I think that's a very sweet line because you can tell mm-hmm. that, and again, Carrie Fisher was an amazing actor who can deliver, so. Yeah. And not to mention, it, like, shows that Mrs. Crenshaw actually, yep. like, gave a shit. She wasn't just a, House like, mom. person yeah, like she actually like gave a shit about the girls. Yeah, she hated Jessica, but I think she really cared about protecting them. At the end of the day, she would still protect Jessica. Whereas, like in and... the original, like the Mrs. Crenshaw in the original is a huge bitch. You're like, why do you have this job? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so we go back to um the girls in the room and they hear the shotgun blasts and Maggie is freaking out. She's like, no, I need to go find out if this is my sister. And Jessica, oh no, (laughs) don't go out there. And it receives a very nasty glance from Cassidy. And she goes, I I tried to warn her. My favorite Jessica line. (laughs) I really do think that's my favorite Jessica line. Why? I tried to warn her. Don't go out there. all in the delivery. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All in the delivery. You know, I I don't think if anybody else aside from Leah Pipes had it's played the same this character, thing with, you it know, Gail worked. Weathers, Courtney Cox, like you know, you could you could, you know, that's the you know stock bitchy character, but you put it in the hands of a different actor, it's it just isn't the same. It doesn't have that same gusto or smirk or you know kind of wink to the audience of like you hate me but mm-hmm. you love me. And. I just keep going back to that. These were men who wrote these female Mm -hmm. characters and they wrote them really well and like as real women. Like I talk like that. I I can be a sarcastic bitch sometimes. Like, and they wrote them like these lines are super great. And, but again, Leah pipes delivers. Like I can't imagine anyone else playing Jessica at this point in time. So Maggie runs out, and the girls think that Miss Crenshaw might be dead, so they need to go get a cell phone. So they're like, oh, Mickey's cell phone in the attic. So Jessica and Cassidy go upstairs with the axe. Uh, they tell Ellie Hide. to stay there. And, um, yeah. So they go up there, and they go try to get Mickey's cell phone, and that's where they run into Kyle, who is not wearing any yeah. pants. Oh, Kyle. Because of course not. Yeah. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, because, and then Jessica literally has to ask him, "Why aren't you wearing any pants?" Jessica, You're smarter than that. Me. Come on now. <laughs> uh. And then she, <laughs> I just love this. 
Because she's just like, what the fuck? Why aren't you wearing any pants? Like, and then she's like, you Which this fight scene between like her and him and a little bit Cassidy is such an interesting one because it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, you, you it come kind of, there's so many fight scenes in this movie. <laughs> uh, everyone's fighting everybody. <laughs> right. But, but I think what's great is that Jessica has this yeah. itty bitty redeeming moment where Kyle is trying to almost choke Cassidy and or like is it me or does he get kind of like oh definitely oh for sure with her yeah and, like he's trying to dominate her in every which way and then Jessica comes back and yeah. knocks his ass out which is fantastic so Jessica does get like that little moment of redemption right there and is like you know what we're in this together now um so maybe she does care a little bit on the inside. She just doesn't let herself do that. But she's still a bit. Well, right. But I mean, again, if you had no sympathy for her at all, mm-hmm. it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't work. And we do. I mean, I think we've, we've talked about it earlier with, you know, stuff yeah. with Kyle's dad. We've talked about all that. But if she was just, quote unquote, the bitch, no mm-hmm. one would care. At she the end of like, the day, she's cares? protecting the sorority right. sister. Exactly. Exactly. So there's right. where the solidarity she means finally what she comes says. in. I mean, I think it's the same thing with you yeah. know Mrs. Crenshaw, where it's like, yes, she maybe hates Jessica, but she would defend her. And I think Jessica would do the same thing for the other girls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but we do get this moment where they're running away. They get into the bathroom. Ellie tries to hide in a closet, but realizes that all the things in there are like shirts and her, you can see her legs and she just goes shit <laughs> which she she needs more of those moments and i'm so frustrated but anyway so they run into the bathroom and they're like okay maybe he won't find us now and so they run into there and they open the shower curtain and oh my god it's megan's body <laughs> Which, this is my favorite Jessica line. This is my favorite Jessica line, which she goes, um, oh my god. I have it, Why so did it just, ready. like, fall out of my head? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And Jessica just looks at her, and she goes, Because, again, this terrible. movie, I will say, this movie does suffer from <laughs> some, <laughs> some bad ADR. Because Cassie says, oh my god, it's Megan. But it's, like, clearly in post. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, oh, no. yeah, <laughs> right. Then you so go it's like, like the, it's the payoff, terrible. you know. <laughs> we get this really shitty ADR. Oh, yeah, it's Megan. Look, it's Megan. Because <laughs> we couldn't tell from the decomposing corpse right. <laughs> yeah. with the hole in her chest. See, I wish we could have had this the moment where it was like, oh my, where Cassie just goes, oh my god, like as it dawns on them yeah. that they're looking at Megan's body. Instead of, oh my god, it's Megan. Like, let the audience be smart enough to figure that out. Well, who else would right. have a rotting And this is the moment when they there? know that Megan is not the killer. Right. Right. So they're like, well, fuck. It's gotta be Kyle because he's running <laughs> yeah. around pantsless in this graduation gown. And then he breaks into that bathroom. Yeah. Full on Jack Tor. Exactly. <laughs> Shining style. I'm almost surprised that he didn't <laughs> say here's Johnny. And Knox, Let's be real. <laughs> right? Yeah, and Knox jessica out and yeah. like, he's done that before knocks her out. 
Oh boy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. We we could unpack that in a separate episode too. Um. So and then he breaks in and starts fighting with Cassidy. Pins her up against the wall with like the axe that or like drops the axe, pins her up against the wall, and is like, "We're gonna do this. You're not gonna tell anybody, or I'll fucking kill you." And then surprise axe to the head, and Kyle is dead. Yeah. What? And it's Andy. Oh, remember Andy? He was a character in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he was not even in town. At some point. He left nope. town, and but suddenly he's here. Let's go with this storyline. Yep. They had a. Right. Pin your friend. That's, Pin? that's an app that exists. Pin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's surprise. It's Andy to the rescue or Mr. So Goody Tushu's boyfriend. Turn of Cassidy. Valedictorian and <gasps> serial killer because Cassidy looks down at his side and he's got the tire I will iron. say when I first what? saw this movie I was not expecting him to be the killer was not expecting it I think this was one of the only movies that has surprised me on who the killer was yeah I agree like I was not with all the red this. herrings and stuff especially because they make the point of, of like explaining that he's like gonna be out of town and won't be there it's like the one where you're like, okay, that makes sense. He's uh-huh. he's just leaving. He won't be around when everybody gets killed because you know Cassie's at, at this point has been set up to be the final girl. So like, he doesn't need to be there. He can just right. leave, and the movie can continue. And then this scene happens, and you're like, wait a minute. After all those misdirects, it's him, the person that like had a reason to not be there. Which is kind of like a red herring for a red herring. Like you know, it's it. I think we had so many red herrings and that might've been the point that you're not, you're paying so much attention to those. You're paying to the atten- You're not paying enough attention to right. the one person. I mean, he's, such, I mean, again, he's such a non character in this movie. I yeah. mean, I, I mean, he really isn't. He has like right. probably like four scenes before this. Yeah. That are B minuses at best. You know, he just is, he's not a lot. So like that's why, but it works because it's kind of like, oh shit, okay. And yeah. I think his motive is, dude, it's crazy. You know, it's not anything to write home about, but I think it is. It's it's fine. Yeah, but um, so Jessica wakes up and she's like, "It's all right, we can fix this," and just won't. And is just like trying to process it, and is actually, I think, for the first time, mm-hmm. extremely frightened. Because Cassidy, I don't think, immediately realizes that it's him. He just, she just knows that Andy saved her from Kyle, and she's just grateful. But then, like when Jessica mm-hmm. is kind of standing up and just staring, and then they see the the um, the tire iron. It's like, wait you see that Cassidy have that moment of being like, wait a minute, it's you. And then Cass, and then uh, Jessica yeah. just starts talking and won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and then Andy decides to shut her up and without a beat does not miss shoving that tire iron directly into her throat, pinning her against the wall. And Jessica mm-hmm. is now dead. 
So the one thing I wanted to talk about and touch on was every kill almost, at least with the girls, has been in the mouth. And I want to talk about that because I know they're like, oh, why did they do that in the audio or in the um, commentary on the Blu-ray? They were talking about like, oh, God, something obsessed with the guy's mouth. But I kind of want to talk about a little bit deeper meaning with that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. going back to secrecy, these girls all had a major secret. And Andy's motivation was I wanted everybody to shut up about it. Andy's whole thing is he's trying to. He's almost kind of like a like a abusive husband where it's like, I'm trying to protect you. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing all mm-hmm. of this for you. Mm-hmm. You know, he even has it in his like killer monologue where it's like some girl gets drunk, says it at a party. Another girl hears it in the shower. This is happening. You know, it's like he's validating what he's saying and that, you know, it's all coming from gossip secrets talking so there go everyone gets it in the mouth and also there's the scene when uh, back to the scene when Mr. Crenshaw first appeared and Jessica just like tells her like doesn't even hesitate to be like Mm -hmm. what do you mean to kill Megan and and, uh, Cassie has a line of being uh, where she says am am I really the only one who didn't tell anyone right and so like Jessica Mm -hmm gets gets killed through the mouth and uh claire and so it's like everybody that blabbed got this like horrible death of being like now you're finally shut up you can't blab anymore i think he even says that after he kills her he says that girl really needs to learn to like shut up or something like that like he says something like that after he kills her (laughs) yeah like right and you could tell if you like rewatch the movie and like after you know that Andy is the killer, you can tell his disdain for sororities and the whole premise of them. And even in his valedictorian mm-hmm. speech, it's about perfection and the brighter future and living this almost idealistic life, which I'm like, okay, boring white man. Fine. He's trying to get Cassidy away from the um, sorority so they can like have their amazing future that he's like planned out for them. Right. And that this whole Megan murder thing has ruined, which is why he's killing everybody to like protect Cassidy's future, that this beautiful life that they're gonna have. Which he created, mm-hmm. which I'm sorry, but a, a planned out future that wasn't like I wasn't involved yep. in planning is not romantic. It's weird. To me. <laughs> But again, I think you can, I think you you said it earlier, it's, you know, you can say, yeah. you can tell early on his controlling, like, we don't have to go if you want to. We can just stay here. We can just go to my parents' place. Let's just go there. Let's just do that. You know, it's very like, mm-hmm. dude, I got it. I have to. It's like, my mom wants to see the house. Like, you know, she has all these reasons and he's so non-supportive in his man mannerisms and mentality about it it's just, it's it's when you know when you know who the killer is it's off-putting yeah and then you see the possession that he has like on her and the controlling and like abusive nature like it's like every man in this movie is mm-hmm. abusive in I mean, some even, way shape or form. even when he's when and manipulative kind of like, you know he's kind of going on his murder plan and Cassie's like, okay, well, you know, Ellie, she's okay. And he says, well, she's the one that told me, you know, he, the way he kisses her, he's like, he's got like tire iron behind her. And it's, it's very mm-hmm. just like, it's, oh. <laughs> like, 
you know, it's and then he even says to her, like, kind of, you know, because the house at this point is on fire. She's like, we got to go. And he's like, Mm -hmm. we got to kill Ellie first and then we can go. And he, like, drags her out in the hallway and is like, call her. She'll answer to you. It's just like, it's so creepy and gross and weird. Yeah, and you know, Andy's like trying to convince Cassidy that she's got to kill Ellie. And like, I think again, we've established that Cassidy and Ellie were actually the closest, the most genuine friendship and like actually cared about each other. And so, this is not something that I think Cassidy really wants to do, or is, yeah, she's not in this page. And then you realize that, um, Andy's like, okay, well, you get Ellie out here. I'm going to go finish Maggie off because he set fire to the living room and trapped Maggie in this fiery blaze. So you're like, well, shit, what's going to happen to Maggie now? And then Mm -hmm. you've also got this cross story with Ellie. And then she goes and finds Ellie. And then Andy finds them and then attacks Cassidy and then Ellie runs and Andy tries to go find her. Then Cassidy takes off and it comes this whole thing. (laughs) Well, you can tell early on that like Cassidy has already got the wheels turning. She's like, all right. So I know now she's like, I think she's officially become our final girl. She knows what's Mm -hmm. up. She's in her tank top and her jeans. So she knows (laughs) what role she is here to do. And Um, I, I love She's just playing a role, playing yeah. along with yep. Andy to, to get everybody safe and get away from him. Exactly. Yeah. And I love Brianna Evgen's acting in here because it's complete eye acting where you can s- literally see her thinking this through, not just as the character, not just as an actor trying to think of her next line, but it's her being Cassidy thinking of her next move to save everyone. Yeah. I, I, and that's I think insanely that's, good. Yeah, I think that's what makes her probably like one of the most underrated final girls is because she, you know, again, this movie isn't widely talked about, but I think she is, she is so smart and I think she's so capable and I think she's mm-hmm. physical because I think Brianna is, she was a dancer. Of course, we saw her dance break earlier in the movie, um, <laughs> you know, but she has that physicality that you're, you you believe it. It makes sense. You understand that she's kind of like the go-getter, like, okay, guys, we're going to do this and we're going to get through it and we're going to do this. She's almost kind of like the straight man where it's like, you guys, we have to do this, which is kind of a lame Mm -hmm. role, but she makes it work. Yeah, she makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's great about her is unlike many of the others in the final world trope, she had agency to begin with. She had that backbone. She had that toughness to mm-hmm. her the entire time. So it's not something that was given to her because of this trauma of people dying around her. Like Britney Snow and... in the Prom Night remake. I said it. <laughs> and I, <meant> it. <laughs> I can't wait to cover that one day. But yeah, it, it it's nice that she actually has that agency to begin with. Like Aaron and you're next. Like she had that mm-hmm. to begin with. And it and, and that is actually smart writing on their part. Because, you know, again, it is this whole thing of the female characters are interesting because trauma. No, she's interesting because she's interesting. Right. Yeah. Like I like Cassidy on screen. I'm not bored by her. I enjoy seeing her on screen every moment and you know she's got the same wit as jessica but she's actually a nice person she's got the big heart she's got a backbone she is a really well-developed character and i applaud them for that well i think and her main role has go ahead (laughs) 
her 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 role has nothing to do with her boyfriend either. Yes. Right. Like I feel like with Claire and with uh Jessica and even with Megan, like their whole the whole reason this starts is because mm-hmm. her boyfriend is cheating. So it's like Cassidy's character is she's just on her on her own. She's just in this sorority. It's not like, oh, a guy did something to her, so she's messed up. Yeah, the right. only thing with with Cassidy's boyfriend is the fact that he's the killer. <laughs> like yeah. that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, but, but she doesn't know that right. for like the majority of the movie. And then she's like, oh crap, and I'm gonna take you out because you're a killer. Right. Right. And I'm and the I final mean, girl. Yeah. Here's the thing is you know, you have all of these men in this movie. Actually, not a lot, but every man you meet is kind of a scumbag in some way, except for Andy. And you're like, oh, this perfect man. And it's not hard to imagine that you'd find this, like, perfect guy in, like, the sea of the crappy people. Because, like, I've mm-hmm. met guys that act like Kyle, that act like mm-hmm. Mickey. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Kyle's dad. Like, you've met people that are like these. So it's not hard to buy that these are real people. And then you meet Andy, and you're like, okay, there's, like, he's fun, he's a boring, bland guy, like, whatever. And then, again, it's that whole thing of these guys are all red herrings, and then you you forget about Andy, and then you're like, oh, shit, it's Andy. What? Yeah. (laughs) Which, again, the most interesting thing about him is that he's the killer, and then, again, you start thinking back to those conversations he had with Cassidy previously, and you think back to his old actions, and you're like, okay, Oh, yep. This this hits in a different way now. Okay. Well, I think you can make the same argument. I mean, again, this could be episode other, you know, Patreon episode two, where it's like, you know, boyfriends in horror. You know, Ski Ulrich mm-hmm. is, you know, he's the same kind of vibe. You know, it's like, yeah. wait, what? Why? You, you look back at Scream yeah. and you think, okay, he is he's a little controlling when he looks at Sydney and, and his conversations with her, when you know what you know, it's, it's creepy. But yeah. And when you're first like wa- the fact that he, sorry, go ahead. Well, was, when you're first watching it and you don't know what the outcome is, it's, Oh yeah. You know, he just wants Sydney to like him and maybe, you know, he's a teenager, he's horny, whatever. Same thing with Kyle. He wants Cassie to kind of loosen up. Da da da. Andy. It's just, it's just, mm, it gets, when you know what you know at the end of these movies, upon a rewatch, it becomes creepy. Right. And scare. I think it makes it even scarier. Because then you're like, oh my God, did she not know she was getting manipulated the whole time? Like, did she not see how controlling he was mm-hmm. and possessive he was? And it's just like, oh God, it, it even creeps you out. Because then, you know, you have this, um, you know, there is a tendency for people to not believe that these seemingly sweet, ordinary, bland guys could be abusive assholes. Mm-hmm. And you look back at it and you're like, oh, fuck, Andy is one of those. Like, a lot of people would never see this coming. He could totally get away with it if he he almost did, you know? Yeah, they needed uh, Cassie to have her final girl agency jump out. Mm -hmm. It's his manipulation that is the most terrifying part of it. It's Mm -hmm. like his, you know, I did, I mean, it's his concept of I did this for you. Which is scary. And right. I think that 
Whereas I think that's the difference between him and Billy and Scream is like Billy is doing it for him, whereas Andy thinks that mm-hmm. he's doing it for her. And that Sorry. is almost scarier mm-hmm. than Billy and Stu and Scream. I think. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, even comparing Billy and Andy, this doesn't, they don't hit the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's great because this movie can stay separated from that. It's not trying to be scream it's not trying to do the same thing as scream it has almost the same result yes because the boyfriend's the killer but it doesn't it it doesn't remind me of scream necessarily in that way unless i'm thinking about it right it's nice you know is this um this scene really sets up the final showdown mm -hmm. uh, when the house is on fire and there's more of like an urgency because no matter how it ends the house is going to burn down so right. they have to like take care of it and to figure it out and get out of the house. Whereas like in other movies and like in Scream, that there's this idea that they have with this time to get things done. Whereas like in Sorority Row, there's like an added urgency of like things have to happen right now and like this is the climax of the mm-hmm. film. You can't have like villain monologues because <laughs> yeah, your house is on fire. <laughs> yeah. He already like Andy already explained why he was doing it. Now they just have to kill each other. Right. right. So Cassidy runs downstairs, finds Maggie, tries to get her to come over to her. Um, and then Andy comes in and grapple hooks mm-hmm. this tire iron, which is actually a pretty badass thing. I like it. I, I like do too. Business. It's sadistic and evil, and it actually works for me. Because, um, you know, he, and here's the thing, he's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he was valedictorian of a college um, class. So, yeah, he's an extremely smart guy. So, he's going to be resourceful. He's a and he's got murder weapons. Yeah. And so, he's, like, grappling hook at Maggie. And then Cassidy and him get in a scuffle. And um, sh- she falls through this floorboard. And, like, she's doing the same thing as Claire, where she's scraping and trying to like get herself up and Andy's like we could have been great together and then you screwed it up and so now Cassidy is no longer the focus of his energy to kill everyone else she is the focus of his rage at this point because she's messed with his image of perfection when he like I mean I think when she's got I mean she's pinned she's through the floor which this sorority house must be like Mm -hmm. four stories because you know they show a shot of like her legs dangling and it's this huge space you know she's attached only by like a nail on her bracelet that the uh mrs crenshaw gave her and Mm -hmm. he's just scraping at her knuckles with that tire iron and it i mean this movie is like this movie's painful because there's like some moments in this movie where you're like no ow (laughs) like that would hurt it's mean mean. she's gonna like cut her fingers off one by one right like the knife from the modified (laughs) iron iron. he's like look i'm gonna make you bleed with this slow cut like that would hurt so bad i mean she and and that's what i love about her performance in this is like she is so again she goes she even you know she's trying to pull herself up and she's like oh fuck like i can't get up and like it's burning and it's there's so much happening in this final scene and i think it's great mm-hmm. and i just i don't know i i think it's it's such a well done well set up final scene right and then we have ellie come in and go hey asshole with the shotgun 
and she blasts N- Andy right into that hellhole, and he burns. Uh-huh. Um. So I know Jim, <laughs> and I agree with you on this. You know, it's coming. You don't. You don't like nope. Ellie because she has no agency in this movie. I do, and I do agree with you though that Cassidy was robbed of her final girl moment. That it should have been swapped. That Ellie should have been falling through the floorboard, like caught on there, almost at the edge of dying, and that Cassidy should have come up and shot him with a shotgun. I think it should have been reversed. It's just, I mean, for me, I look at it where it's just kind of like I don't. I feel like the Ellie scene, whereas I like a good kind of like you get your comeuppance. I like that for Andy. I think it robs Cassidy of the arc that she's on. I -hmm. think it, you know, and this is not a, you know, deterrent of Rumor Willis. I think it just is, she doesn't deserve what she's given. Yeah, I, that's why I think it should have been reversed yeah. that Ellie should have been hanging on for dear life on those floorboards um, and that Cassidy should have been the one to ultimately kill yeah, Andy. I agree. I mean, I think, again, it would be more it would be kind of more symbolic. I think it would be more of a cinematic moment uh, where you mm-hmm. have your protagonist and the antagonist who happen to be dating. You know, it's just it's it just seems odd. I mean, the only thing that connects ellie and andy is that ellie told andy about the original crime which is a thing in itself but it doesn't warrant the final killing blow in my opinion right i agree that's interesting i don't know that i necessarily agree with that (laughs) um (laughs) Well, let's see. For me, when I saw this movie the first time, um, the whole character of Ellie, she's shy and scared and they're always telling her to hide and trying to protect her. But at the end of the day, she's in this sorority with these girls. They're all they're all combined in solidarity mm-hmm. that they're sisters, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and Cassidy's done this in the scene that she's trying to protect Ellie from getting killed by Andy. And so she's like, Ellie, go hide and I will take care of Andy. But then when it matters, um, when when Cassidy's like dangling through the floor and Andy clearly is like trying to cut her fingers off, Ellie appears and is like, no, I'm going to kill you with a shotgun. And for me, she, because she was the one that told Andy about Megan, she has that guilt mm-hmm. of being like, I did this. I'm the one who told him I set these things in motion. He's the, I'm the reason he's like killing everybody because I, I told him about Megan. And at the same time, she's kind of taking her agency. And instead of being the shy, scared girl that runs and hides, she goes and gets the shotgun and is like, no, I'm going to help. Like these girls have been protecting me. They're my sisters. Like I'm going to help mm-hmm. and get the shotgun and kill him. And also just because um, it is a remake And when I was doing my thesis, one of the really interesting things that came from analyzing originals and remakes was that when it comes to the remakes of of slashers, there's this trend that in the in the uh, in the films, when it gets to the scene where it's like the final girl's moment, 
even though it's her moment, she's clearly still the final girl. She has an element of help that she has never had in the originals. And for me, this, um, like it really, uh, reinforced that because obviously Uh Ellie helps Mm -hmm. and and again, it brings back that whole, we're in a sorority. It's us against this evil killer. So for me, that was like really validating to have Ellie come back. She wasn't like a wasted character. That's like, I'm just going to continue to be scared. So I did, I did kind of like that, but again, it does, it does create this idea that Cassidy isn't um she is the final girl but she doesn't save everybody on her i like she does that a have lot because i think what you said is th- that's made me think about this movie in a completely different way like and i've seen it mm-hmm. a lot that <laughs> you can attest to that <laughs> yes. and, I, yeah. and i like that a lot but i think i think what would seal it and send it home for me is if the movie gave ellie something else to do i think she need like she needed it. something else to give her that moment. Cause I, I, I agree with you. I think that is a really valid point. And I think that's a really interesting way to look at this. But my only issue is I don't think the movie gives Ellie enough. And I think it's, it's, it's not on her. I think it's just the movie doesn't give Ellie enough mm-hmm. to do for the first hour and, you know, 20 minutes to, you know, it's like, it just, right. it doesn't, it, Exactly. Feel it doesn't feel warranted to me to give her that final killing blow and that kind of like, you know, the last time we saw her, she's in the closet saying, oh shit, you know, like, and then all of a sudden she's just like, mm-hmm. see you later, asshole, with like this shotgun. It's like, where have you been? <laughs> where have you been? Or like, right. Or maybe like Ellie could have helped, like she maybe could have yeah. injured Andy and then helped to get Cassidy out of the floor and then yes. Cassidy shoots him. Like that could have been maybe a better ending, but again, like there's just so many right. characters, and, like so many red herrings and stuff. Because even like when Ellie has that moment of Mickey where she's like, "You're not gonna touch me," like that's that's when the first time we kind of be like, "Oh, she's not the shy, scared girl." So they kind of tease it then too. But there's just like there's so many right. characters and so many things going on. It's like the movie <laughs> right. just couldn't make a decision. There's too many people. I right. think I think she has that moment with Mickey where she's like, "I'll fucking kill you," but then she kind of backtracks and is just like the screaming mess again and it's like i i don't think the movie knew what to do with her and i think nikki you and i've talked about this where it's like i don't think the movie knows what to do with claire or ellie and i think there's a way that you could have combined the two of them into a fully Mm -hmm. developed character i don't know because again at the end of the day i love this movie and i don't really want (laughs) to fuck with it too much um (laughs) except for the ending but i think i don't know i think there's a way you can do it but i i I really, I've now that you've said this, I I think about it differently now. <laughs> yeah, someone went to college. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I loved horror movies, and so I right. had to write a thesis. Yeah. and I was taking a horror movie class, and I was just like, why don't I just write my thesis that I have to write to graduate about horror films? And it ended up being, um, it's called patterns of violence in slasher film originals and remakes so that's like this is what i analyzed was like how this how they took a similar story and like kind of adapted it's, it. it it's so true I, like i'm thinking of like remakes now and like texas chainsaw nightmare on m street halloween like all three of those like your final girl mm-hmm. is helped in some way oh my oh my <laughs> I, I, I specifically looked at Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, and I can send it to you. I need to read it. <laughs> like, it's so good. Okay. 
that's podcast number what we've we've come up with like four or five podcasts in this episode great <laughs> right patreon we should start a patreon <laughs> i will post it people can read it yeah. It is from 2011. And also, side note, um, I turned this in the last week of April 2011. And one of the things I expanded on, because we have to talk about like future research and other things to explore, was like the killer being female. And what comes out a week later? Scream for. <laughs> I was screaming. Did, I was like, yeah. oh my God, I predicted this. I just proved this. Like I lost my mind. Yeah. And it's funny because like your your professor questioned you on that point, didn't they? Or you told me. That's funny. Like that? I, I found it. I found my uh, research again recently and I was like looking at my professor's comments on it mm-hmm. and I realized that she gave me a lesser grade because she didn't nope. understand <laughs> horror as well as I did. I'm sitting here reading this being like, wait, if you actually read my research, you would understand that I was right. Like it was so validating. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then Ellie being the smart one, she's like, hey, Maggie, wrap yourself up in that curtain and jump over here to us. And then they walk out. I, you know, say what you want. I love this last scene, the music and them slow-mo walking out of that burning house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like, I mean, I think it's, Amazing. it's such a like, kind of like victorious ending where you're just like, cool. Yay. Even though I don't think yeah. two of the three should have been alive. <laughs> I, su- I support but you I I kind of, you know, they definitely set us up for a sequel and we right. didn't get it, which is unfortunate. But, you know, we have, um, you know, they walk out of the house and then it flashes forward to 15 months later, the house is being renovated and Maggie is now a Theta Pi and they're doing that creepy Theta Pi says goodbye. It's really creepy and it, and it unsettles me. But then we see a man's, like, you just see like a side of him coming into view and it's a man with um, scars on his wrists. And he's holding a garden spade or something like that. And it implies that Garrett's still alive. And that, that, had, and that had to be a sequel though, right? Like it, right? Like it yeah. was Garrett. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now he's like, he can get his revenge because like, obviously the girls tricked him into killing Megan and he's traumatized right. by that. Yeah. Um. So, okay, f- what are you guys' final thoughts on Sorority Row? I what I like about this movie is yes, it is a it's a remake of a lesser known eighties movie, but I think what it does well, it does really well. You know, it it has the camp, it has the gore, it has the whodunit elements of it. Yes, it has all of the tropes of a typical 80s slasher movie but that's what makes it fun i think i mm-hmm. think it's fun i think it's you know it's not taking itself too seriously it knows what it's doing and to me that's fun i think that's you know it's a fun group movie i think it's fun to watch in a group it's yeah i think it's a good time Honestly, it's not trying to change the rules. It's just having a good time. Mm-hmm. For me, when you watch Sorority Row, it's just like a good time. Like if you want to watch a horror movie, but you don't necessarily like want to be scared or want to like dive deep into like a trilogy or do all these things. Like you just want to enjoy watching a movie. Mm-hmm. You pick yep. this one. 
and there's nostalgia, there's tropes, there's whodunit, there's just um, lots of things to dive into and, and enjoy. And the dialogue is on point and there's good cinematography and plenty of red herrings <laughs> to think about. <laughs> but um, it's just, it's it's enjoyable as a horror movie. Yeah, I'm definitely, since I saw this in theaters, been a super fan of this movie and... Um, I love the characters and like we talked about, it's an ensemble cast. You know, there's many characters in this movie, but you actually walk away remembering yep. each of them. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's powerful for this kind of movie. And especially because it's five female characters and they're actually decently well thought out characters. You know, there's a little bit of give here and there with that. But, um, you know, even if you took all of the men out, the men aside, these are still characters with agency and with um excellent stories and um personalities to dive into and things to think about and you care when these girls die and you're like oh man i wanted more time with this person um and the kills are um original they're intense they're brutal and sadistic um but they're it it's a movie that comes out with unexpectedly and it's something that you didn't really know you wanted in a horror movie until you see it <laughs> it's not trying to be anything it's not yeah you know what i mean like it's not trying yeah. to be you know the next scream or you know whatever it is right. but i think it just i think it just delivers now real talk what's everyone's favorite kill <laughs> <laughs> I think mine's chugs. I just get so uncomfortable with the throat <laughs> stuff. I just like yeah, I just... <laughs> things that can happen just hit different. I just, I, I think it's yeah. such a like, and it, it was in all the trailers, but I was like, I know it's coming, but it's like I didn't think it was coming like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know, but I just know that if they remade this movie, there are certain problematic things that they would have to take out of it. But also I would be interested to kind of just ignore the men part of this movie and just make it about the sisters. I think you could do it. I think, I think if you've got the right people behind it, I think you could do a remake of it, a remake remake. Mm -hmm. I think you would take from the original and this one and do another one. Mm -hmm. I think you would have, what I would what I would suspect would be the original idea of Black Christmas 2019, and then elevate on it. I don't know. I think you could get it if you got the right people behind it, behind the scenes. You could do it. I think. Right. Because this is this I is almost so. lightning in a bottle. It's such a good movie, and I think it's completely underrated. Mm -hmm. I think people need to revisit this. I, mm -hmm. You know what? I think it suffers from something that Scream 4 suffered from, and it's ahead yeah. of its time. I mean, Jennifer's Body is the same so, example of that, agree. where it's like, it's, yeah. you know, it's a... Which, that came out this year, yeah. that same year, too. Jennifer's Body came out in 2009. It's, I think it was, I think, women on the forefront of horror... And people not being mm -hmm. ready for it. Yeah, it's like the final girls are taking the woman's narrative back. And it's no longer we're going to play right. a victim. We're going to be this badass. And then we start seeing that resurgence 
in movies and even independent movies like your next which was actually made i think in 2009 but didn't get released until 2011 um you know with aaron she has agency tree and happy death day has agency like these women Mm -hmm. are women that you care about but they also started as badasses they started as real women who like know things Mm -hmm. and can do things and have development and you know, I, I like that this movie retakes that narrative and spins it around and it's like, no, Cassidy is not the meek one. And that's why we think Ellie is the final girl. And then we learn that Cassidy is like this movie needs to be revisited because it I think it was ahead of its time. And it's just it's a lot better than what people give it. I think, for. too, I think people cast aside slasher movies in general. So I think that mm-hmm. there's that element to it as well. I think that, again, it is a full ensemble, female ensemble gets cast aside. So I think that you, and that, that's what Jennifer's body suffered from, where you have two female leads who aren't antagonists until the end, of course. But, you know, it's like, that's, that's I think, in a, it's not, a, it wasn't a sellable back then. Now you look at it, you know, Jennifer's body is experiencing a great resurgence and is having, like, huge successes of people looking at like oh no this was a movie that was way ahead of its time i think this does the exact same thing right and especially when you have that ease into it from movies like you know birds of prey that came out earlier this year like people are willing Mm -hmm. to go and experience female ensemble casts and you know, they like you said, they weren't willing to do that mm-hmm. a decade ago. But now we know for sure that they're willing to do that. And a lot of people praise Wonder Woman as being the strongest character from the DC universe. And, you know, um, looking at uh, Captain Marvel and all of these women in the Marvel movies who are just incredible and in drawing those fans in. And, you know, I think it's allowed um, women to be more outspoken about liking horror movies and um, superhero movies and been more empowering for us to come out and be like no we are fans of this we know what we're talking about we know what we're doing with this and um you know we will pay the money to go see this. well i think horror has always paved the way for female characters and female protagonists you can look at solely laurie strode Mm -hmm. halloween and laurie strode halloween 2018 that's a prime example Mm -hmm. right there and i think that's the biggest example of how that works it always will work. And, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get to see Halloween Kills soon, sooner rather than later. <laughs> please, please, <laughs> please. You know, and I think that with that, with Halloween 2018, it introduced Judy Greer's character and Andy Matichek's character. And it's, it's mm-hmm. continuing that legacy that will always be there. Horror is always going to be yeah. a female protagonist. With the exception of Bruce Campbell. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, yeah. that is it. <laughs> it's women and Bruce Campbell. Well, also, yeah. And then also yep. Sydney. Scream 5. From Scream. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how many people are excited because they get Sydney Gale yep. and Dewey back for Scream 5? Oh. Yes! It's like the dream team <laughs> back together. Yeah. I'm Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I mean, but you have to think about it. She, she wouldn't come back if it was You're like right. a terrible That's a really script. good point. Yep. You know what I mean? Because well, and Kevin Williamson is a producer on it. Okay, so. that's yep. true. Yeah. All right, sold, sold yet again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that concludes our discussion about Sorority Row. I mean, 
again, this is a movie ahead of its time, and I'm excited to see what kind of resurgence it can get. You know, Tim and I, we will probably watch this almost every probably. other time we're together. Like, like not even kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Friendship gold. <laughs> but, all right. So we talked about this movie for a long time, but Courtney, what are we going to talk about next week? Next week, we are talking about The Last House on the Left. And no, 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 we're not talking about that faux-ass Marnie Piper remake. We are talking about Wes Craven's original film. And boy, is that going to be a hard one to watch. (laughs) Woof. (laughs) Yeah. It's Halloween. We can do it. Come on. Yeah, I'm excited for this to um, for us to talk about it. I'm just oh, there's going to be some talking done in this in that episode. All right, you guys. Well, Tim, do you have anything else before we uh, close this discussion? I just today? want to say thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Let's talk about any other horror movie other than Last House on the Left. Do you want to talk about? <laughs> Um, I appreciate you both. Thank you guys for doing this. And thank you guys. Of course. We were so happy to have you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, if you want to contact us or find more content from us, you can visit our Facebook page at Everybody's a Suspect. You can even email us at Everybody's a Suspect at gmail.com. We are also on twitter at everybody's assess one and instagram at eas podcast we'd love to hear from you so all right you guys we'll see you next week when we cover last house on the left bye bye